The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's up, everybody? Eric Franson, I.J. Salveson on a Friday here on 106.9 The Fan. It's a Friday, high school Friday football. We'll talk about, uh, again, who's playing where, how you can follow along. We'll get into the college games, some really juicy games against uh, with tw- top 25 teams facing each other, three particular worth uh, paying attention to. Uh, it's part of our pick six, if one of those teams may get upset or not. Uh, there was an NFL game last night, a really exciting one, down to the wire. A Major League Baseball playoffs underway, and Ajay's got all kinds of the feels for what's been going on. Let's just so say far in the playoffs, Eric's heard a lot of cuss words in the last two and a half hours of prep. I can say it's just the same old crap with these guys, man. I keep thinking like. He sees video of, or gets a text for like someone in his family passed away or something. <laughs> it's, I am kind of being dramatic, I guess, in there, and I apologize. But you, you know, as a Cubs fan, how passionate we are as Braves fans are. And our tradition is get to the playoffs, get our, you know what, kicked in the first round in the NLDS, and then walk with our tail between our legs back home. We did that yesterday. And guess what? What's ironic is right now is the exact same score as it was yesterday in the exact same inning. We're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Hey, how about the, uh, uh, you know, let's let's just kick it off with MLB. I mean, later on, we got our five best. We'll be talking about NBA, five best NBA players this year. Uh, we'll be talking more LSU Utah State. We'll get our you get put the finishing touches on that. Uh, Ed Orgeron uh, had another press conference today. Some players missing, and that well, spread it was yesterday. It was yeah, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. Yeah, but there's some players that are going to be missing, and that spread hasn't budged. Kind of interesting. And um, a lot of and players moving around. Too. Yeah, he's he's shifting his lineup quite a bit. So, especially on defense, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be talking regional and football. We'll just you know preview quickly what, uh, who's where, why it means what it means, and uh, how you can listen to it all. Uh, I'll be absent on tonight's call for Mountain Crest Bay River. Uh, Matt Adams will uh, take my place. He's he'll he'll do an incredible job. Uh, he'll join AJ Knight for that one, and then uh, we'll uh, get you ready for top twenty-five Mountain West Conference. Don't forget we have Nate Craigman at five thirty this week of the Mountain West. He'll get you cut up on the Mountain West action coming up. Uh, tomorrow. So, uh, Eric, you know, while my Braves are putting me into panic mode, um, he, okay, no, let's start with yesterday. So the Braves have this, uh, this, this, you know, nice little lead, 3-1, and then the eighth... Yeah, they were looking pretty good for a yeah, while there. and then the eighth inning rolls along, and disaster strikes, and the Braves just turn into, hold on, let me grab my throat and squeeze it as hard as possible so I can't breathe. Choke mode. <laughs> And I mean, and then the thing is, is uh, you know, Acuna, Acuna, Acuna Junior. Sorry, and and Freeman, I thought played really well. In fact, you know what, Donaldson even swung it well. I mean, he it's just a couple of times he put the ball in the bat really well, just went to the wrong guy. I mean, I think of that double up with a man on first and second, one out, and I mean, he hits a nice liner, just goes straight to the shortstop, and by then, uh, R.A. Junior's already on his lead halfway out, so he's. He gets picked off there, um, or it's just a doubled up there, and then, uh, and then the, the ninth, and he comes around, and and, and Cardinals are up seven to three, and one hard hit gets lined out. Acuna, Acuna comes up, hits a home run, get another man on, so it's seven five. Get another, or uh, no one gets on. Then Freeman comes up, he hits a home run. It's seven six. If we don't allow that big eighth to happen, we win this ball game. And that's what's so frustrating is one bad inning, Eric, gave it away. One bad inning. And St. Louis just made him pay for it. And, and Atlanta left guys on in scoring position all day long. It wasn't just the eighth inning. It wasn't just the fifth. It was a majority of the day. 
And again, some hard hit balls to set up the wrong guy. Gives the uh, credit to St. Louis. Carpenter came alive, had a great, had a great game. Um, man, just and and by the way, really impressed with St. Louis's aggressiveness on the base pass. They weren't afraid to send guys. No, at well, the most random times. Too. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, they they stayed aggressive even though they were down. They were still in this mode, like, hey, we're going to keep applying pressure. Uh, and that was the, that was their game plan. You could tell they just want to continue to apply pressure and continue to try to get their guys in position. Yeah, uh, Mike Schilt after the game said that uh, a couple different things, but really at that point where they t- were able to tie the game, that was a big moment for them. Yeah, that was clearly huge. Um, you know, good at bats throughout, but that was, um, you know, to be able to get the tie and um, set us up obviously for the ninth as well. But you can't can't win it unless you tie it. Hate the Cardinals. <laughs> I do, man. And, and again, Game One has just been a huge problem for the Braves for the past how many years that they've been in the NLDS. And um, yeah, I mean they got to win. They got to split at home, man. You have to split at home against the Cardinals because you can't go back to Bush Stadium down 2-0, especially in the best of five. It just it's not going to work. Got to win tonight. Life back to us, but I don't want to minimize that we didn't have life to, before that. But you know when you get down. Three to one, and the next thing you know, boom, three two, and here we go. It's a big swing. How'd the Cubs do today? Let's look at the Cubs. Oh, they didn't make it? And screw you, Eric. What? Whoa. Whoa. Where'd that come from? Freaking giving me that look as you play that audio. I hate you. Pitch for uh, Wong, and he swings and grounds it. Fair pass first. That's going to score two more at least. That was a foul ball. To- Molina, they stop him at third. And the Cardinals have taken a 7-3 lead now. Wow, this is a big inning. That announcer sucks. Who is that? It's KMOX. I don't know who the... Well, KOMX, you're now K-U-S-U-C-K-X. Okay, so that was last night. And then, yeah, Dodgers. How about the Dodgers? Boy, they look good. Nats looked exhausted, I think, by like the 30th. I mean, they were they looked tired. <clears throat> and of course, they didn't pitch well at all. They couldn't they couldn't get anything going at the plate. Dodgers just ran all over them. I just and then I I thought um who was it? Who started again, man? Well, Bueller. Uh, Bueller did, on the excuse mat. me. He was really Boy, good. Boy, he was fantastic. He great command. And the bullpen was incredible coming out and got and, him off the plate. Clean and okay, by the way, the strike zone's been kind of interesting in the playoffs so far. A lot of balls getting the I I mean outer edges of the strike zone. Once the outer edges, they're missing the strike zone. And and the umps are giving it. They're extend they're expanding the strike zone in the playoffs. It's been interesting. And it went both ways in that Dodgers game last night. Some calls on Bellinger, some calls on uh Zimmerman. I think Zimmerman took a low breaking ball below the knees. Call the strike three with a man on second and uh, down by one. So, yeah, kind of interesting how the umpires call this series. It's, it's been interesting to watch that. Uh, there's already been one game in the books today in the playoffs. And it's uh, the Astros. They've, they looked really good. It's crazy when you get a little bit of rest, huh, what it does. Uh, that game went final a little bit ago. Astros 6-2. to two. This was a big part of... What made that happen? Uh, well, part of it was because of their own success. Another part of it was Rays making mistakes. And for some reason, there's the 1-2 to Yuli. And that one's lifted in the right. Another slider, <laughs> shallow. Choi is out. So is the second baseman. And it's off Lowe's glove and into right for a base hit. Or at least dropping to allow two runs to score as both Bregman and Brantley come in and it's 4-0 Astros. Looked like miscommunication. Lau and Meadows converging on that and Lau wasn't able to grab it. That was a replay of my uh, 2018 Green Canyon freshman baseball team. <laughs> and it was because they were bad. They were just bad. Uh, um, You know what? Altuve, Altuve was great. But no, Well, no, today. he wasn't. He had, a, he had a two-run home run. He went one for five. What? Springer was 0 for four. Your top two batters, you score six runs, and your top three 
were nine or three for 13. Yeah, but he, he got two runs on quickly. Great. He went one for finally, five. Well, I guess that's when he finally connected. It wasn't until they had that big fifth inning. But hey, That's what really jumped, jump-started the, everything for, for the Astros today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, again, three for 13 for your top three guys, and you still win easily. Um, by the way, there is some, make sure I have this right, yeah, there's some grief for Acuna Jr. Now, earlier in the season, I'm going back to the Braves game, and, and I, I want to point this out really quick before I move on to anything else. There was some grief that, because uh, earlier in the season, Acuna Jr. didn't run out a ground ball, and he got pulled out of the game. So last night he hits a double and he and he trots thinking it's gone, and instead it caroms off the wall. And instead of having a double, he ends up with a single. Um, and uh, manager Sickner, Snicker was not happy with Ronald. Um, in fact, it, there is there's reports that there was some. Um, uh, that uh, Snicker let him have it in the locker room or in the clubhouse again for not running it out. That's uh, wait. Let me ask you something on that because you you you've seen baseball for a long time. You do you see guys? I mean, trot to first base on a ground ball. That I mean, I mean, it doesn't look like they're running hard sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, you see that. Yeah, it's just interesting. I think if you run it out. You never know what's going to happen. Right, because right. I've seen times where think the guy's running hard and it looks like it's going to be a clear out, but someone has to twist weird to try to throw him out yeah. and it's, the, it's too high or it comes off the glove. You have to rush the throw. Right, or the guy has to kind of gather the ball. And mm-hmm. If you weren't running hard, you would have got out. And and that's the thing here is, I mean, never we're, guaranteed. we're in game one of the NLDS and I've got our leadoff guy, Trotting to first base on a ball that caroms off the wall. Like I said, there's a reason why we lost. Braves right now lead the Cardinals one nothing in Game Two, middle of the six. So we're uh, we're at the break as we go to the bottom of the six. Again, one run's not going to win it for Atlanta. I don't know where their offense goes, man. I just have no idea. Just sucks. Well, I mean, it came alive eventually. Just they weren't able to hold on. Yeah, but you can't wait till the ninth inning against these guys. You can't really rely on the dramatics to get you out of it. Um, later on tonight at five oh seven p.m. specifically on the MLB Network, Matt Vasgersian and which who I love will be calling Yankees Minnesota at New York. That should be a good one. In game one of their ALDS. And on the other side, game two for the Nationals and Dodgers. 7.37 on TBS. Man. Hey, hey, so you talked about the uh, solid game from the Dodgers in game one. Yeah. Uh, manager Dave Roberts talked about uh, his team a little bit and some of the guys who really stepped up uh, in their solid win, dominating performance really, in game one. Uh, from that first throw, he was on point tonight. And uh, the delivery, the tempo, uh, all consistent. Um, fastball command to all quadrants. The slower breaking ball, I love with the depth and uh, the cutter when he needed it. So that's a really good lineup over there. And for him to go six, um, it was really, really, uh, we needed that one. He's talking about Dave Bueller. Yeah, Dave, man, that Bueller kid can throw some heat, can he? There's times where he's inaccurate, but when he's on, he's untouchable. He is untouchable. And when he hits his spots with his changeup and his fastball, can't can't do it. Kershaw's actually going to go game two. I know I said game three yesterday. Kershaw will go game two. They're going to save Ryu for game three. Oh, okay. So Kershaw will be on the mound. Yep. So, I mean, dude, what do you do? All right, we still have Bueller, and now we should have easy, right? No, you got Kershaw. What a lineup that is. That's tough. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, maybe, maybe the Nats get a game or two in here. I, I'm not so sure. Rays are done for. Uh, if, if I might speak so bluntly, 
that should be a sweep for Houston. Awaiting, and and I think Yankees might have a tough time with Minnesota. That's no given. No, I think the Minnesota and uh, New York series could be a lot of fun because there's a lot of offense on both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. There's a ton of I think you said it yesterday, Eric. Expect the ball to be flying out of the park in that series. And you definitely could be right. Um, yes. Um, with the games, as you mentioned, uh, 5 o'clock, Yankees-Twins, 7.35, Nationals-Dodgers. Later game will be on TBS. Uh, game going on right now. On TBS, Cardinals and Braves were in the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, Braves lead one nothing. Five hits. Cardinals only have two. Just can't cash in, man. Um, there was an exciting game in the NFL last night as well. Yeah, I missed this game, actually. It was a, uh, a really interesting back and forth. With the uh, the Rams at the Seahawks, uh, Rams kind of struggling a little bit this year compared to their dominating ways of a year ago. Uh, Bobby Wagner, obviously in the mix there, he uh, had five tackles for the Seahawks. Uh, Jojo Natson, the former Aggie name, he was returning punts for the Rams, but that was a real back and forth game. Uh, Rams looked like they had command of the situation uh, going into the fourth quarter. But uh, give credit to Seattle for hanging in there and giving themselves a chance. But uh, in the end, um, it was uh, just kind of some some missed opportunities, really, for the Rams um, in that one. And uh, now they're, they've got two losses on the year. They're three and two. Yeah, they need to figure out a couple things. One, their offensive line. Two, their running game. They haven't established a running game really consistently, and their offensive line is just flat-out bad, really bad. So they need to figure out a couple things. I mean, they got a tough schedule the rest of the way, too. Um, yeah, and that's a big win for Seattle, by the way, especially in that NFC West. That's a, that's a huge win for Seattle. Here's how the game, if you missed it, here's what it came down to, an opportunity for a field goal for the Rams to – to win the game, this is how it played out. Zerline, almost always money, gets this one away. It's up, and it's no good! <laughs> Greg Zerline misses it! It started as a small roar from the Hawks' nest, and eventually we all saw it. It was a miss, and the Seahawks are going to dodge a bullet and win this game with 11 seconds left. Holy catfish! A miss by Greg Zerline from 44 yards out. Just a bit outside. Oh, man. Kickers. It is the year of the kicker. <laughs> uh, but, look, yeah, give, give Seattle a lot of credit for... What they've been doing over the, and that's this extends to where they were a year ago. Uh, they Home Depot delivers. Thanks, Home Depot. Uh, they uh, they were uh, a little bit ahead of schedule with some of the talent, young talent that they brought on, and how they were kind of transforming their lineup. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just continued into this year. And I, I have to give a lot of credit to Russell Wilson, just how he extends plays. The way he makes things happen, uh, he's just playing at an elite level right now. Um, he didn't throw for as many yards as Jared Goff. He didn't throw it as many times as Jared Goff. But he threw more touchdowns, and his team won. Russell's a beast. <laughs> and <laughs> talking to a Broncos fan last night, they said, you know what's great? We drafted Brock Osweiler over Russell Wilson. Guy's a gamer. Everybody misses a draft pick. <laughs> this is true. Okay. This is true. Uh, oh, forgot to mention Rashad Penny. He's former San Diego oh, yeah. State Aztec, running the ball for, for Seattle. 
Oh, he was a monster too, wasn't he? And I should also mention Back Eric Weddle, who's now playing for the Rams, former Utah player. So a lot of Utah connections on the field last night. Um, so this weekend in the NFL, still take Kyle Van Noy over Bobby Wagner. It, oh, let's not go there. Uh, this weekend in the NFL, uh, I think there are really besides the game that took place last night, there are really for me two games that really stand out on the schedule that um, really could be worth paying attention to, um, and that's uh, <laughs> now my paper disappeared. Uh, but that's the Buccaneers at the Saints. And I picked that one because the Buccaneers are 2-0 and on the road. They've shown an ability to put up a ton of points. 55 against the Rams the other weekend. Yeah. And the Saints, just how they're doing without Drew Brees. So far, it's worked. But can it work against a high-powered uh, Buccaneers offense that, well, I don't want to say high-powered, but it, they can be kind of hit and miss a little bit. But after what they did a week ago, uh, I think that makes it very intriguing for Sunday. Uh, and then the other game that stands out to me a little bit later in the afternoon, Cowboys hosting the Packers. Both those teams are three and one. That game's in Dallas on Fox, two thirty. And um I think that one could be a lot of fun. You got two great quarterbacks. That's you a nineties flashback, isn't two it? Two historic programs. Remember back in the nineties when the Packers and Cowboys, Favre and Aikman would go at it, two of the top teams in the NFC. Kind of getting back to that time, back to those moments. That's fun. You know, for me, I, you know, it's an interesting. Jacoby Brissett, when he was traded to the Colts, everyone asked why and what's, what's the point. Jacoby actually has not played that bad for the Colts. Now he gets to go on the road to Kansas City in a tough atmosphere, tough environment, decent defense. I still think he can put points up. Um, that could be an intriguing game. Maybe an upset as well. The other one, 3-0 49ers. Surprising 3-0 49ers. They get Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and Baker Mayfield. Odell's been kind of going off on some things lately and getting fined about every other week for something. Uh, but the Browns at the 49ers on Monday night, that should be another good one too. That's It's been a while since we've had a good Monday night game. Uh, that's true. I mean, there's high, I call them the high-expectation Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 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 against the team that nobody was talking about for the season, and that's the 49ers, as uh, successful as they've been, um, undefeated coming into that one. So I, I agree, the Monday night game could be really fun and, and could be interesting. So a couple different NFL games on the docket uh, that I think will be really interesting to pay attention to. Uh, and um, we've got Major League Baseball going on right now, going on tonight. Uh, tomorrow in Major League Baseball, it's the Twins at the Yankees, 3 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. And at 7 o'clock on FS1, it'll be the Rays at the Astros on Sunday. Game 3, Braves at, now shifting to uh, St. Louis. Braves at Cardinals. And shifting to uh, D.C., it'll be the Dodgers at the Nationals. So on Sunday at 2 o'clock, on TBS, and then at 545 on TBS for the later game in the National League. So, uh, man, no no shortage of things to, try to, to tune into to pay attention to this weekend. Uh, and coming up next, we'll talk about the college football games that are on tap. Some really interesting matchups in the top 25. We'll go through uh, kind of maybe some upset specials to, to pay attention to. Uh, we got this week in the Mountain West coming up next hour that will dive deeper into what's going on in the Mountain West Conference. That starts at about 5.30. But we'll take a look at what's going on this weekend in college football. Talk about that next, coming up on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Utah State's preparing for LSU tomorrow morning. 
Sister station KVNU will start game day at 8 a.m. And go right up to uh, kickoff, which is at 10 a.m. It'll be game, the game will be shown on the SEC network. And as soon as the game concludes, back on the air again for KVNU Aggie Call. Um, so anyway, got uh, some more things to look forward to there. We'll break it down a little bit more. Some final thoughts, predictions, and keys. We'll get into that at the start of next hour, about 30 minutes or so from now. And uh, our predictions for what we think might happen in the stadium. But um, there are some other interesting college football games on the schedule. In fact, there's one really interesting one tonight. Uh, 18th ranked UCF on the road at Cincinnati. What makes this one interesting to me is Cincinnati is a really good football program. Finished the year last year in the top 25. They only have one loss on the season so far, and that was 42 to nothing drubbing yep. by Ohio State. But they beat Marsh, or excuse me, they beat UCLA in the season opener. Uh, they beat Miami of Ohio and they beat Marshall. So not like they've had a outside of that Ohio State game a tremendous uh, test of who they are. But Central Florida is a team that's also had a little bit of a, a bump in the road. Um, they lost to Pitt in a surprise game that was played at Pitt. Um, so this could be, uh, really, if if UCF gets knocked off, I think that really opens the door, leaves the door wider open for somebody from the Mountain West to come in there and get that top-ranked spot for a New Year's Six bowl game. That would be wonderful. So anyway, that's going to be at uh, 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN. And then there are a couple of, a number of top 25 teams squaring off against each other. Iowa, which is ranked 14th at 19th ranked Michigan. That'll be on Fox at 10 a.m. Michigan uh, trying to regain them their footing. But Iowa comes in as the undefeated team in this matchup. Michigan is favored by three and a half in this matchup. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't think Michigan's that good. I think Iowa's going to prove it. Uh, another big one, it's going to be a dandy on CBS at 1.30 Mountain Time. Auburn, number 7th at Florida, number 10th ranked. By the way, Florida, after this game, they get LSU next Saturday. Congratulations. So if, if, if Florida wins these next two games, they're in the playoff conversation all of a sudden. Absolutely in the playoff conversation all of a sudden. Yeah, Who, whoever wins that game should be definitely in the playoff discussion. If Auburn wins it, they should absolutely be in the top four. No questions asked. They have had the perhaps the most difficult early part of the season. They've already knocked off the 11th-ranked Oregon. They've knocked off 17th-ranked Texas A&M. And then they're facing the number 10 team in the the country on Saturday. Georgia gets a really tough opponent in Tennessee. Obviously, BYU feels that Tennessee should be in the national championship as well. So, tough game for Georgia. Uh, Another top uh, 25 matchup features Michigan State. The Sparties will head to Ohio State to face the Buckeyes. 25 versus number 4. That's in Columbus, Ohio. Um... Ohio State should win that running away. I agree. It should not even be close. If you're a top four team, beat them by 20. If not, get out of the way and let somebody else who's actually proven that they're a top five team, like Auburn, if they beat Florida tomorrow. Well, we're starting to get into the period where these teams that are in that top four, top five category, as they are now, are starting to be tested because they really haven't been tested very much. Uh, Clemson did get tested by an unranked North Carolina team, and it caused a lot of people to second guess whether they should put Clemson so high on their lists. Much much of the other teams haven't really faced a lot of tough competition. But they look really good in what they're doing, and so we give them high grades for it, but they haven't been tested, at least not like Auburn has been tested. Now for Ohio State, this will be a really... uh, uh, probably their their toughest test to this point. So 
we'll, we'll see how real this Ohio State team is offensively and defensively. Uh, Michigan State, their one loss uh, this year um, was uh, against Arizona State, which was a surprising one. Arizona State, though, has proven to be a pretty good team. Uh, it was a low-scoring affair, 10-7. to But uh, that could be another interesting one. So there's three games featuring top 25 teams against each other. Two of them, the higher-ranked team is on the road. Ohio State is is the uh, exception to that. They're the home team in this one, and I agree with you. I think Ohio State wins this one running away. Hey, Cal and Oregon's a sneaky good game. Oregon ranked 13th in the country. They'll host Cal Bears. Cal coming off a stun or uh, had that stunning loss, so they sit a four and one. Uh, if they beat Oregon, that erases, and I mean, it should erase any thought of a Pac-12 team being in the fourteen playoff. I think it. Yes. Totally just puts that to bed. Yep. They're out of it. I, I, Get I out of the way. don't think they're in it anyway. Um, but I, I've, I still feel like it's a sneaky good game. I think that whole Pac-12 could beat up each other enough to maybe make the uh, chase for the Rose Bowl really interesting who comes out of that. Oh, yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of parody. They're all really have moments where they're all pretty good. Yeah, and they've had moments where they're all pretty bad, too. Yes. Hey, Texas Tech gets flattened by Oklahoma last week. Now they get the chance to host Oklahoma State this week. Um, Spencer Sanders has thrown already for over 1,000 yards. He has eight touchdowns. Does Texas Tech have the ability to slow down Oklahoma State offense, or are they, or I mean, or even the ability to keep up with Oklahoma State's offense? Um, no. And not because necessarily Spencer Sanders. I think it's because of Chubba Hubbard. Mm. Guys doing amazing things on the ground. He almost has a thousand yards already, Ajay. Yeah, isn't that Through amazing? five games, he almost has a thousand yards on isn't the that ground. Amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that is that that's something. Hey, how bad does Harbaugh Michigan need this win? Uh, at home against Iowa. I know we've already talked a little bit about it, but it just, I mean, it, it's a game that stands out to me. Harbaugh is sitting on a warm seat. You got flattened by Wisconsin. If you lose this game at home to Iowa, you have two losses in your conference. And by the way, you still got to play Ohio State, which I can guarantee you will beat Michigan this year. They badly need a win. And they got Notre Dame, I think, later in the year, don't they? That, that classic rivalry, Michigan yeah, and Notre Dame? October 26th. Holy crap! Do they wow. Do you know what? Do they have anybody else that might be? They got Michigan State Penn again. State. They got Penn State. Is that a home or at a Penn? At, it's Penn, at Penn State. They're done. They have to at Penn State, who's ranked twelfth right now. Then they host Notre Dame, who's ranked ninth. A little bit later on, they'll play Michigan State, who currently is a ranked team, and then they will play. They host Ohio State at the end of the regular season. If they don't beat Iowa, I don't think they beat Penn State. I honestly don't. I, they won't beat Notre Dame. Whew. Boy, yeah. They get four or five losses on the year. Yeah, and that would do it. I think that would be enough think to that boot would him be out. the end of Harbaugh? Yeah, absolutely. That would boot him out. That would easily do it. He hasn't beaten Ohio State since he's been there. That's a big one. Um, okay, so this gets to a discussion that we were having before the show about expectations on coaches. Oh, yeah. And giving them enough time. Yes. Your Joe Madden, the Cubs guy, uh, just got canned after having one of the better runs for the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken, better runs for the Cubs, including a World Series title. Yeah, that five-year span where he was a manager, Mm -hmm. they always had winning records. They didn't always go to the postseason, but they were in the hunt for the postseason. Uh, And which, in a five-year span of time, that type of success has been very rare for Chicago. And on the other side, the LA Angels, they decided to camp Brad Ausmus after one year. One year. After the farm system was treated like a, just a, I mean, dog crap uh, of just, it was just really poorly ran by the previous management. And it takes two to three years to recover from that. That's not a joke. It takes two to three to recover from that, the way they destroyed it. You give your manager one year and then you boot him out. And there's rumor, as you had noted to me before, that there's rumor that Angels were doing it because they knew that Madden was most likely on the way out. 
Um, still don't like the call. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I mean, give give a guy some time. If there's a culture, unless it's catastrophic in one year, that just is not enough time. Especially if you need to come in and try to change a culture and change what's going on in a farm system or what have you. One year is just, you can't tell. Um, Like I said, unless it's catastrophic. If there is consistent disagreement and insubordination with upper management, okay, maybe. That's stuff we don't see, you know, that's happening behind the scenes. Uh, and, and certainly it, it, the the success on the field, I mean, they, they weren't a playoff team. They weren't contending for a playoff position either. So there's something to be said about that. I get that. But one year, you got to give a guy some time. Yeah, there's, much more. There's very few coaches that step in out of nowhere, and just dramatically change things to where you're you're not even a playoff team one year, and then suddenly you're really good the next. That is a really, really rare thing to find. And yeah, just, one year's not enough. It's not. It's not. Now, on the flip side, where we started the conversation with Jim Harbaugh, he's had plenty of time. He really has. And like, like I said, he hasn't been his rival, the, the rival for the Michigan Wolverines yet. They haven't won a Big Ten championship. And I don't think they've actually been to a Big Ten championship game yet. Um, there's just, I mean, there's so many issues right now. And if they if they don't beat Iowa, I think they lose to Penn State. I think they lose to Notre Dame. They lose to Ohio State. That's four more losses. That's that is that's five losses. Um, as it stands, and I I didn't put Michigan State on that list yet. So, uh, no Big Twelve title or no Big Ten championship appearance. No wins over again, rivals. I think that would that'd be the final nail in the coffin for his uh, this uh, his um, release. But the question is, is who would they go get? And I'm serious about this call, Bronco Mendenhall. <laughs> Virginia's got something spicy going on right now. His name seems to be flown around, isn't it? Yeah, on on some of those lists. Yeah. I just, I mean, look, I mean, I mean you need a splash you know, good, with a big good name. Good for Bronco. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. The success he's having at Virginia, it's taken him a little bit of time. Yeah. But. It's cool. I, I know there's going to be a strong contingent of people who say it has to be somebody from, that has Michigan blood in them. Mm. Bronco certainly does not fit that one. No. I don't know if Bronco would uh, do well there, just in regards of PR and all that stuff. I love him, but I don't, I don't know if he could, if he'd want to. <laughs> Certainly, be a lot of attention on every move he more makes. than he wishes. Yes, if you thought it was bad at BYU. Oh yeah, dude. No, dude. No, it, that's a whole other that's level. A tickle, tickle compared to that. Oh, uh, yeah. I, it's this is a really, really big game for Harbaugh. Uh, but I think it's going to be an interesting uh, college football weekend um, with those games that we talked about with the top twenty-five teams squaring off against each other. I think an upset special could be in the works tonight. Cincinnati over UCF. Um, I don't know that I necessarily see too many others. Uh, that look like um, uh, trap games, no. necessarily. A top 25 team going off an unranked team. Maybe Texas at West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia's looked okay so far this year. Um, but you know, with, a, with a new head coach, what's going on there? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think those are... Uh, the well, the California Oregon, I think, as you mentioned, could be really an interesting matchup as well. Uh, Boise State they play uh, late Saturday night, uh, taking on UNLV. By the way, UNLV unveiled their new, uh, I guess, a new football facility this weekend. So good for them. I'm sure, if you tune in to watch that game on CBS Sports Network, another Saturday place night, they can suck playing at. That's wonderful. You'll see some of that. <laughs> Uh, 
Look, I'm still just bitter about my Braves. All right, you guys don't understand. Nobody understands what it's like to be a Braves fan. What's the score there now? Bottom of the, actually, hey, by the way, bottom of the seventh, three zip Braves. They scored more than one run. Yummy. Was by it the about way, this time that the Cardinals started to make their move? <laughs> yeah, they scored like seven runs. <laughs> so we need every bit of it. And uh, by the way, uh, the uh, start for the Braves, um, Fulton Newitz has been incredible. Um, he's He's got seven strikeouts. Uh, or I guess of the seven he has, uh, all by slider. Um, and he's he's just mixed it up really well. Uh, according to a couple people, that he's mixing up his speeds and his pitches, and that's and that's what's got the Cardinals kind of fooled here. I think yesterday, you know, there was too many going to the well with the fastball and having to get it over, just get it over the plate fastballs. When you do that, I mean, it's Major League Baseball players. They can time you up in a heartbeat. Carpenter timed his up easily, crushed it for a double. Uh, uh, what's his name? David Freeze, I believe. Freeze, I can't remember who it was. Uh, had a he timed his up. I think it was a three-one count and just crushed it. Like you just can't do that. You can't put yourself in in behind the count to where you have to throw fastballs all the rest of the way. Because you become predictable, and that's what they did. The Braves did yesterday. That's what the Washington Nationals did yesterday. And it was batting practice, like in the seventh inning for the Dodgers. And in the Rays, it doesn't matter what they do; it's batting practice for the Astros. So, <laughs> all right, uh, hey, coming up next, let's get into our Friday Five Best. Mm. Let's shift gears and talk a little bit about the NBA. There is uh, some preseason games that are just getting started. Yet, Jazz have their first preseason game Saturday night. Uh, ESPN recently put together their top 100 NBA players, but we thought we'd take our own spin, not 100, but our top five. Who are the five best NBA players coming into the 2019-2020 season? Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. Feel free to weigh in. Love to see what you have to say. Put it out there on Twitter earlier today. But uh, we'll get into our Friday five best, the five best NBA players coming into the 2019-2020 season as preseason games now getting underway. It's coming up next here in the Full Court. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. It's a Friday. We'll get into High School Football Friday coming up next hour. Reminder of who's playing where, what's on the line with these games. Not just with Region 11. We'll update you on everybody in the area. Who's playing where. And a reminder to, to uh, get involved with our Preps Pick'em Contest. Ajay, have you made your picks yet? I did. I think yep. you have about 10 minutes to make them if you haven't. I have made them all. You still have some time. Go to 1069thefan.com. We have the link there. Log in. Or if you haven't yet, you can still create an account to participate. And if you win this week, have the highest total score, $100 to Who Hot. How hot, Ajay? Who Hot. Who Hot. Uh, And then if you do win, then you're also... A qualifier for our grand prize, a 65-inch 4K TV from Lens Audio and Video. And uh, the Logo Shop makes all of this happen for us. Of course, they're the Booster Club headquarters for high school, competitive, and club teams. So go check it out, make your picks, and uh, see if you can win. But we'll get into the, more of the high school games coming up next hour. Um, Ajay, NBA, there have been some preseason games taking place already. Um, and uh, more of them will start to pick up over the weekend. Jazz have their first exhibition game against the 36ers Saturday night at Vivint Smart Home Arena. This is a team from Australia. Certainly that'll be fun for Joe Ingles to be involved with that one. The Australian national team did very well in FIBA World Cup, so could be an interesting matchup for the Jazz. But coming into the 2019-2020 season, we want to know who are the five best NBA players coming into the season. ESPN put together their list. 
And I'm curious to know, Ajay, if yours is similar or different from what they put together. Yeah. Uh, you might be surprised. Maybe. Maybe you won't. Uh, I mean, do, do you want me to go first then? Well, let me... I'll, How we do this? Let me say who the uh, ESPN top five were. Okay. okay. And then I'd like to get yours. Okay. Spicy well, beans. then we'll go from five to one. We'll okay. do that together. All right. But here's the ESPN top five. Uh, number five was Anthony Davis. Number four was James Harden. Number three, LeBron James. Number two, Kawhi Leonard. And number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So who's your number five? Wow, really? No kidding. Okay. That's fair, I guess. Uh, number five for me is James Harden. Uh, his new rendition, he, he's added to his repertoire of the <laughs> one-legged three-pointer. <laughs> Did you see that, by the way, the no, move? I have not seen you this You haven't yet. seen this? Okay, so what he does, it's a new... I'm going to stand up and help you and, and watch it. Okay, so what he does is he has the ball, right? And what and what's interesting is when the when the defender is up on him, he takes one dribble with his left hand, right? So he's like, he takes a dribble nearest to his defender and then still somehow with the step back, that's not a travel, that's a, that's a new one, not a travel, he creates a huge amount of space, but then shoots off of one foot, literally shoots off of one foot. It is crazy. Okay. And, and by the way, he hasn't made one yet. <laughs> and yesterday he got fouled shooting a three when the guy didn't even touch him. Oh, James Harden. Now I have to give him credit for being an innovator and being creative. But you know, but okay, here's how I'm he's my number five. He's he's good, he's fast, he's good. He, I mean he's a great scorer. Uh he he carried his team at times just because of his offense alone. He doesn't play defense worth a crap, but no one cares at this point. All right, my number five is Paul George. Now, I really... <sighs> I debated with him. I debated this one. Uh, he's got the shoulder surgeries that he's had. But in the end, I mean, this, this guy was at an MVP level last year on a mediocre team. He's going to be on a really good, good team, team this year yeah. that plays defense. He's going to have another guy on his roster that's going to demand a lot of defensive attention. Um. And so it's going to free him up. I think he's going to have a very impactful season. So he's my number five. That's a good one. That's a good one. Now my number four is going to be Kawhi Leonard, uh, the Clyde. What he did for Toronto winning a championship was was incredible. Now you had Paul George, Patrick Beverly, uh, who uh, 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 Montres Harrell. Defensively, that team's going to be a stickler. Offensively, they're going to be deadly. Uh, I Kawhi alone makes them a Western Conference title contender. All right, my number four is James Harden for some of the similar reasons that you gave. Uh, very difficult to defend. Uh, he's a facilitator for his squad, and he demands so much attention defensively that other guys get free looks because of what he does. So um, James Harden's my number four. Number three for me is Steph Curry. Uh, he has a chance to be uh, to really show that he can be uh, a player who can carry his team. No Clay Thompson till however long it is going to be. You have no Kevin Durant. Um, you have Draymond Green and, I mean, a couple of scrubs. But I I, I guess you have uh, D'Angelo Russell, but it's really going to have to be offensively. It's going to be a lot on Steph Curry, and then defensively he's going to have to guard the point guard. We're going to find out how good he is. I think he can handle the pressure. Interesting selection. My number three is Kawhi Leonard. Um, I think that the load management, he kind of popularized that last year. He knows how to uh, uh, pace his body, but when he's on, boy, he's tough. Uh, The best two-way player in the NBA. Uh, So Kawhi Leonard is my number three. Number two for me is Paul George. Based on the fact that if if Russell Westbrook doesn't get selfish, he probably wins an an, uh, an NBA MVP for the regular season. Westbrook went into this mode of where he needed to create for himself and it was just weird. It was really, really weird. Paul George is a hell of a basketball player, and he has proved it. He proved it last year with this team, like you said, and he doesn't have to put so much pressure on himself defensively like he did last year. I think that alone is going to help him offensively. I think he's going to be great. Uh, he's going to be one of the better, more dangerous players in the NBA. That was your number two? Yeah, it was. My number two is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, he... Uh, <laughs> 
it's incredible MVP, incredible player. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that is not making him number one for me is that he didn't look good in the Euro uh, or in the FIBA World Cup. I, I wonder that teams are figuring out how to defend him uh, and his style. And I think that maybe added pressure on him this next year and how he didn't make it to the uh, finals. Uh, and I'm not sure how he handles that pressure, but he's still incredible talent and his length and his ability. So he's, he is in a heck of a player. He's my number two. My number one is LeBron James. Just yesterday they showed a video of a scrimmage between the Lakers uh, and, and just an inter-squad scrimmage. LeBron pulled it from half court and knocked it down to tie a game, the scrimmage, from half court. It's almost like he's been revitalized now because of this new roster with the addition of Anthony Davis. I totally agree, and that's why he's my number one as well. LeBron James, he's going to be a menace uh, in the NBA. He's going to come in healthy. He's going to come in rested. He's never had an offseason like this, uh, at least not since he was a young player. And he's going to have incredible talent around him, and uh, he's going to give NBA teams fits all over the league. So he's my number one. Next hour, we'll get into high school football and uh, more of our thoughts, our keys, and predictions for USU on Saturday. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. When the Bears and Raiders take the field in London on Sunday, all eyes will be on Khalil Mack. Oakland's decision to trade Mack to Chicago changed the direction of both franchises. The Bears won the NFC North last season and look like title contenders this year, while the Raiders are 2-2 two and two with some exciting young players. The decision to trade Mack was controversial, but the Raiders aren't the only team in the NFL to take that approach to team building. We've seen other teams shipping away stars for draft picks, the Dolphins have gone even further, gutting their entire roster. But we haven't seen this approach work yet. The Raiders do have promise. They seem to be one defensive star away from being very dangerous. A star like, you know, Khalil Mack. You can have all the draft picks in the world, but it is really hard to find a player like Mack. A fact that I'm sure Mack will be eager to remind his former teammates this weekend, quite a few times, in London. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.